0: Good morning, everybody. Hey, I want to say a special welcome to all of our locations, everybody joining us online. Come on, church. Let's welcome our whole family today. I'm so glad you're here. Uh, a couple weekends ago, we had Freedom Conference, and I was standing on the front row uh, waiting to do, uh, I do the last session of that, and I was waiting to teach that, and a lady walked by me and said, um, hey, thanks so much for having this. And I just said, absolutely, it's our pleasure. Said, the team really does an amazing job. And uh, she goes, I'm, I'm from Georgia, but I was in an online group, and then I drove up for a conference. So I just want to say, all of our online family, man, we're so glad that you're a part of the family, no matter where in the world that you are. And uh, hey, so much coming up this summer. I want to make sure that you are well aware of everything coming, or, coming around the bend for the summer. Uh, here at Point, we don't throttle back in the summer. Um, we throttle forward. We know a lot of you will be vacationing and you should. A lot of you got so much vacation canceled last year. I would encourage you to get some time away, but make sure you stay connected online and, and that you mark some important dates coming up. Um, and, and if you know, if you've been around here long, you know Tammy and I usually take a, a time off from preaching through the summer and um, we'll do that again. And, but I want you to know, I'm bringing in some amazing friends that I don't want you to miss one of them, some in the house, and then some of my, my, my greatest friends from around the country coming in to preach. And then also three things I want you to be aware of is this small group summer semester beginning on June the 20th through the 31st. If you've never joined the group, this is your chance. And here's why, six weeks. You can do six weeks. And I promise you um, that, that almost can promise you, there'll be some grilling involved, um, some hanging out involved, some serving the community together involved. If your small group leader doesn't cook out for you, find a new group, and on June, I'm kidding, but June 26, weeks, summer, small group semester, you want to be a part of that, you'll be seeing opportunities come up to lead a group I've been talked about today, and you'll see opportunities to join a group, um, of course online, you can do that. Number two is Serve Weekend, come on somebody, I love Serve Weekend, nine through the 11th, and let, let me encourage you this. If you have never served, you don't have to be a part of the whole weekend, be a part of some of it. There'll there'll be opportunities to serve our community and there'll be opportunities to to partner with global partners and and all kinds of opportunities to serve. And you're like, man, I can't give Friday through Sunday. Well, just give something, give part of your day. I I met someone this week, um, my oldest graduated eighth grade this week and I have a high schooler. What am I gonna do? And uh, and a lady came up to me and just said, hey, I wanted to introduce myself. And she goes, I just hear so many great things about LifePoint in the community. And I was just thanking her for kind words and all that. And I walked away and I thought, people don't say great things about our church because we have good Sunday services. It's because we get outside the walls of our church and go make a difference in the life of somebody else. So if you've never done it, or if you have every time, My prayer really is that 100% participation, that we all find something to do. There's something everybody can do. You can even make up your own serve project. If you see a need, go meet the need. It's as simple as that. You don't have to have a lot of resources, a lot of energy, a lot of skill. Just see somebody's need and go meet the need. And then of course, we're gonna wrap up the summer with Movement Weekend. Come on, it's gonna be a powerful weekend. Have an amazing lineup of communicators. Your students are gonna have a whole lot of fun. More importantly, they're gonna meet Jesus in a powerful way, encounter the presence of God. If you haven't registered, go ahead and register. No matter where you're watching from, we'd love to have you come in. We come in from out of town, we'll we'll help you find a hotel. Um, So team, help them find a hotel. I just told them we would. Movement weekend, register. Um, Don't miss that. Parents, let me tell you, if you're like, well, I'll find out if my kid wants to come. I had a drug problem when I was a kid. They drugged me Sunday morning to church, Sunday night to church, Wednesday night, and I'm better because of it. And uh, I, we, had a, we had a student come to Movement Night, and um, his family member was like, I only let you go to the party if you go to Movement Night on Wednesday night. He walked in an atheist. He walked out loving Jesus, serving. Come on, God is moving in a powerful way. So... Make sure that you get registered for that. So, so much happening this summer. I want you to know everything going on in the life of the church and be a part of it. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Our hearts and minds are open. We want to hear from you today. And may we never be the same because of it. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen. 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 Hey, we're in the final week of this series called Help Center. And the last two weeks have really been one message broken up into two parts. And I've actually been teaching you content from my pastor's new book coming out this week called Out of the Cave. It's about steps towards walking out of depression and anxiety. I would encourage you to get it. It's um, everywhere you can buy books. Um, it's, it's, I think it's a powerful resource. I honestly believe it's a divine moment that it would be released now, seeing how that um, help that caused to the uh, mental health lines were up hundreds of percentages. Antidepressant use was up 300% last year, suicides were up. And all of us, no matter where you are, you, you deal with heaviness. Like, like you've all, we've all had moments where it's just like, I just feel heavy. You, you may not call it anxiety, or dep- but we've all had just moments of heaviness. How many of you know there comes moments in life where so much is piled on you, it's more than you can carry? No matter how resilient you are, and I'm all about building resilience, but there just come moments where it's just like, it's just heavy. And so last week, we looked at six ways to get out of the cave. Elijah, the prophet, finds himself in a cave. Six ways, no, six ways we find ourselves in the cave. I'm sorry. This week, I'm going to give you five ways to get out of the cave. And, and I kind of want it to be like this. I kind of want it to be like the break the glass, pull the lever. Like these are your go-tos. Are you all with me? So I want everybody to take a note today. If you're a note taker, write it down. If you're not. Write it down, all right? And, and these are like your go-tos. If you find yourself in a moment where you're just like, oh, I'm dealing with something, I feel heaviness, sometimes you need to go get medical help. I'm, I'm not against that at all. Some of you, you just need to refill your prescription in the name of Jesus. Are you all with me? We all would appreciate it. But sometimes you, there's just like some simple things that you can do that it's like, this is my go-to. I'm, I'm, I, just, I've, I feel heaviness, this is what I'm gonna do. And one of these, I think, will hit you, one won't, um, but you take what, what, God, what the Spirit of God speaks to you. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. So I went for a golf lesson this week, y'all. Because whatever I do, I go all in. Anybody else like that? If I'm picking up something, it's 100%. Like, if I'm riding a motorcycle, it's a Harley, because that's the ones God's made. And if it's... <laughs> specifically the fat boy. That's my my choice. But so I got into golf during COVID because honestly, Owen wanted to get into it. And I was like, this would be something fun to do. And we can get outside right now um, when there wasn't much else to do. And so I got into golf and and so I started playing and I'm like, I'm going to take some lessons. And and I'll just tell you, this is the way I am. I don't know how you are. Like I got the clothes, I got the clubs because even if I can't play, I'm going to look like I can out on the course in Jesus name. Come on, everybody. And so I went to this golf lesson, and they set up these cameras all around you, and they're like, all right, take a few, you know, warm up, take a few practice swings, so I take a few practice swings, and then on the, they got two TVs in front of you, and on the big TV, um, they have you, and then they put you beside a golf pro to basically say, this is how horrible you are. <laughs> Like, he didn't say that because he wanted me to buy more lessons, but that's basically what it was telling me. Like, here's how you're supposed to do it, and this is you. We have a lot of work to do. And, uh, and so he was trying to get me to work on hip rotation, which I won't bore you with all that, but I noticed that the angle of my club when I got it up was different from the pro. And I said, oh, so also I need to work on this. He goes, we'll get to that. In other words, you're so bad, we're not even there yet. What he was trying to tell me is that we're going to work in steps. That, that you want to jump ahead to club angle, but I just need to get you on some rotation things going first. How many of you know life is all about steps? It is like you, you, you know this intuitively, whether you believe in God or not today, like you know this, you don't go to high school before you go to kindergarten because we work in steps, right? You, you don't. You don't uh, run a marathon day one. You start with a mile because you work in steps. Are you following me? You don't become a millionaire overnight. Like You start with small investments that grow and build, and and then you gain wealth. Are are you all with me? Say amen. So you work in steps. So I want to talk to you about some steps that'll get you out of the cave. Now, the interesting thing about steps is it requires movement. And so I can give you all of the tools and resources and teaching that you would possibly need, but if you never apply it, if you never actually take a step, if you never exercise your faith, then you'll have a great notebook full of really brilliant thoughts. It's not that funny, but you won't have any transformation. My goal is transformation, not just information. So I'm praying God will take the information and do some transformation in your heart. Are you with me? I want us to go back to Elijah that we looked at last week. If you missed it, I would encourage you to go back and, and listen to it. I think it'll be super helpful for you. But Elijah has just performed two amazing miracles. Like these would be on the like ministry highlight moments, like 10 year documentary. These two are up at the top, right? I mean like he prays down fire from heaven and then he prays and the rain stops falling from heaven. And then it starts again. Like, amazing moments 1 kings 18 read it if you haven't checked it out and then 1 kings 19 what happens in verse 1 is that elijah gets the equivalent of a facebook post from jezebel the queen who says i pray that god's will deal with me severely if you're not dead by this time tomorrow and so from that elijah says i want to die and he runs and hides so we went from mighty man of God, like, praying down fire from heaven. Someone made a negative comment on his Instagram post about the fire from heaven. And all of a sudden, he's wanting to run and die. Isn't that the way the enemy works in our life? Like, we can go from a mountaintop, like, great moment. Like, we're, we're coming home from vacation feeling good, and then the phone rings. Hello. And it's back down and so this is where Elijah is and then and then in the next few verses I think we see some steps of how he lifted the heaviness and how I think you can too. read along with me then he laid down so after he was like I ran he I want to die he was sitting under a bush said then he laid down under and he fell asleep and all at once an angel of the Lord touched him and said get up and eat that's a good Bible verse get up and eat he looked around and there by his head was some baked um, bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and then he went back to sleep. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and he drank and strengthened by that food. And I don't think it's wrong to add and by the sleep. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb. This is the Mount Sinai. This is where the presence of God met Moses, the mountain of God. If you're writing these down, I think you should. Number one step you got to take is step into recovery. Step into recovery. I'm not talking about like a recovery program. I'm talking about this. Some of us live at such a pace of life. We have no time for our soul to recover. So we move from one thing to the next thing to the next thing to the next thing with no moments to breathe in between. No moments, just a, right? I don't know this from experience, but I've been told that you don't work out the same set of muscles every day. Some of the guys on my staff know this and you can tell they know this because they wear medium-sized shirts to make sure that... (laughs) come on y'all know who you are somewhere on my front row right now and so (laughs) but you why don't you do that you don't go in every day and just kill the biceps why because the muscle needs time to recover before more stress is put on it And some of you move from stress to stress, to stress, to stress with no moment for your soul just to recover. Just no moment to go, I need to breathe for a second. I need to just stop for a moment. I need to turn off the media. I need to turn off the TV. I need to turn off the phone. I need to turn off all the inputs and just be still for a moment. Just stop for a moment. Listen to me, did you notice that the first thing the angel said to him wasn't spiritual? Elijah, he didn't kick him and go, go read your Bible. (laughs) Elijah, go worship. Elijah, you need to go pray. No, the first thing he said to him is you need to eat something, bro. You need to get a little rest. Some of you, you're vegans and you're heavy because you have no meat (laughs) going in. I'm joking. (laughs) I'm messing with you. I got a bunch on my staff. My goal in life is to get them to eat steak. It just leaves more for me, I figure. <laughs> but he said, I want you to eat and you need to sleep. You know, some of the most spiritual, some, something that would be incredibly spiritual, some of you can do is go to bed earlier. Like just, like gets, get, go to bed a little bit earlier. Like this is why the Bible talks about this idea of Sabbath. It's, it's the rhythms of your life are in an unsustainable pace. Like, you can do it for a season, and there are seasons, I understand that. There are seasons where, like, it's like go time, but you can't live there because your soul has no time to recover. And so, then you wonder why there's burnout in your life, and you wonder why things are falling apart in your life. It's because there's been no moment just to stop, let your soul refuel, let your body physically, physiologically, like, rest. Because it's, 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 it's why the Bible commands us to Sabbath. This is one, that, this is one of the commands that like, like, I repent of a lot. Are you following me? Because like, somebody said, you should talk more about Sabbath before, after the first service. I was like, I don't know if I can do it with integrity. Because I like to pack the schedule. I want to go. I want to do this. When the opportunity comes, I'm like, yes, I want to jump on. Like, you want to go golfing? Yes. You want to go preach here? Yes. You want to fly there? Yes. I'll, go. I'll do it all and I'll pack it in. This is why I take some time back from preaching in the summers. Why? Not because something's wrong with me, but because something will be wrong if I don't have good rhythms of rest in my life. Are you following me? Let me give you this quote. If I don't prioritize my life, someone else will. How many of you let your email prioritize your day? You get it, check it, and now your email has told you your schedule. No. You own your day. Are you following me? Like, your email will. Your kid's schedule will prioritize your life. I'm all about letting your kids be involved, but when it's running your life, hello, somebody. What's prioritizing your life? What's running your schedule? Are you in a rhythm that is sustainable. Some of the heaviness that you feel in your life is simply because you're tired. You're just tired. And some of you, you're, you're in seasons of life, I get it. I've got everything from 14 year old to diapers. Two of them want my emotional energy, two of them want my physical energy. I'm drained at both ends of the spectrum. But I still have to carve out forcefully It prioritize time. Are you following me? Yeah. I got to breathe. I got to prioritize time and go, are we okay? Yeah. Babe, we good? Are you following me? Yeah. I can make more of them. I can't make another one of her. Right. <laughs> can, I, can I just, can I pass you from some of you, like your life is so surrounded around your kids. They are going to leave you prayerfully. That is the goal. And so are you, owning, are you owning your schedule? I love this verse in Psalms. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us to spend them as we should. If, if you considered the minutes of your day like currency, would you still spend it the way you spend it? Or would you save more of it? Or would you be bankrupt? This isn't spend it like, what should, how should I get? No, this is like, I need to think of it like the currency. You can get more money, you can't make more time. And we live at such a pace that some of the heaviness and anxiety we feel is simply because we haven't learned to say, no, thank you. You wanna go? No. What if they leave me out? I'll have peace in my soul. What if I miss out on something? I'll have peace in my soul. Are you following me? Let's keep going and see what happened to Elijah. It said, Then he went into a cave and he spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Like, why, why are you in the cave, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenants torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one who left, and now they are trying to kill me too. It's like, I'm, isn't it amazing how the enemy can still get you thinking, I'm the only one dealing with this. I'm the only one going through this. No one understands, says Elijah, woe is me. And it said, the Lord said to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. That's where God was. To lift the heaviness off of you, you're like, this is going to be your go-to list. Number one, we're going we're gonna to check our rhythms We're gonna have time for recovery. We're gonna let the muscles rebuild so that we can pick up a greater thing in the future. But number two, we're gonna step into a God encounter. We're gonna step into a God encounter. Here's the thought. We often look for the dynamic, but God is in the intimate. Do you have God encounters outside of moments like these in a service because if you're going to lift the heaviness off of you you better learn how to what I'm talking about is worship worship isn't a personality type worship isn't someone from who's musical or artistic worship is my heart's affection and my mind's attention getting focused on my creator and in that moment it will lift it'll lift the heaviness I'm just telling you and you don't need a band as amazing as life point worship you don't need lights and cameras and movers and a great led like all of it's great and i hope it creates a wonderful experience for you but you don't need that you you've got to learn how how do i have a god encounter in my shower on monday morning cuz i'm about to walk into some things at work that i don't know how to deal with how do i on the drive home because i've had a day where i want to take him tell them to take this job and how do I have the presence of God right there in my car before I walk into, are y'all following me? Like, I, I, would, I would pick up the book just for this. Pastor Chris takes a whole chapter of learning how to practice the presence of God in your life, teaching you how to. How that worship just brings the presence of God into your life. You don't have to be in this room. You can practice God's presence in the boardroom. You can have it in the classroom. You can have it in your bedroom. So you, you've got to learn. If you're going to heaviness lift, I think this is crucial that when, when life is the most heavy in my life, when I'm dealing with something or pressure or decision or I just got a call or text and it just... You know that weight it just puts on you, like the stress and the anxiety. Like my flesh wants to go down the path of woe is me. They've killed all the prophets, just Elijah, and I'm the only one left, and no one cares about me. And no man, my I'll be let's be honest, our flesh loves that. It loves that, like keep going down that path, and then we spiral down and down and down. But the spirit is going, no, don't go that way. Like just put on a little, just put on a little worship. Just And it may feel weird, but I can't tell you how many times it was because you're a pastor. Before I was a pastor, I'd just stand in my room, just be like, come like the wind, fall like the rain, I need your presence now in this place. I would just sing until I felt God. Are you following me? I just worship until something lifted. I've been driving down the road, my eyes so full of tears, I had to pull over because I couldn't see because God met me in my car and I needed him to meet me. And in that moment, it, it didn't, it just lifts. I don't even have to get through the first verse and I'm like, all right, we back. We back and We good. You may be like well, that's kind of strange. No, what is strange is walking around with heaviness that God never meant for you to carry when He's given you access to His presence to lift it. I love I love this verse. It Says, "Be still. Just need to get. Sometimes you need to get still in the presence of God, and just know He's. God. What happens when you know He's God? You know that whatever the obstacle that is you're facing, that he's bigger. It's, what worship really does is get your eyes up on the greatness of God and off of how great you think your obstacle is. Because anytime you get your eyes fixed on Jesus, you understand that he's greater than anything that I'm facing in the moment, and it lifts the heaviness. This is what David said in Psalms, when I tried to understand all this, he goes, I was dealing with all kinds of stuff. I was deeply troubled. I was depressed. I was overwhelmed. I was anxious till I entered the sanctuary of God. He said, man, I was overwhelmed till I got in his presence. I was worried till I got in his presence. I was depressed till I got in his presence. I didn't see a way out, but then I got in his presence. David didn't say the situation changed. He didn't say everything got better. He said, I just got in the presence of God and everything was lifted. Come on, put your hands together if you believe that worship can lift the heaviness. Let's keep watching what Elijah did. It said, when Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over it. When he heard the gentle whisper, he pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out, he stood at the mouth of the cave, and then a voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very, same old, same old, been very zealous for the Lord of God Almighty. The Israelites rejected your coming. They torn down your altars, put your prophets to death, and I am the only one left, and nobody likes me, and I have no friends, and my feet smell. And now they're <laughs> and they're trying to kill me too. Pastor, what does this have to do with anything? Why did Elijah put his cloak over his face? Because your face is your identifier. People know you by your face. They see Elijah was covering his identity. If you want it it to lift, then you're going to have to step into true identity. You have to step into your true identity. I think one of the greatest tactics of the enemy of your soul. To get heaviness on you and not to live with joy and not to live with passion and not to live with excitement in your life, is that he plays a record over and over in your mind of a false identity, of who you're not, of who you can't become, of who and this is like this is one of the number ones, besides worship for me. This is one of the number ones is I have to go back to who am I? Who I am I? No, I'm a child of God. No, I've been filled with the Spirit of God. When heaviness wants to get on me, I just, here's my prayer for some of you today. No matter where you're watching from, no matter what room you're in, my prayer for you today is this, is that you get a, like a spiritual spine. That you get a little holy attitude in you. Come on, are y'all with me? That you get a little attitude that goes... No, 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 no. I'm not carrying this today. I'm a child of the most high God. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I am the head and not the tail. I'm an overcomer. I'm a victor. I am not a victim. I am who God says I am. I have everything that God says I have. I can do all things through Christ who has strengthened me. Some of you need to, before you get out, you need, before you get out of the house, you need to just look in the mirror and go, I am who God says I am today. I am a child of the most high God. I've been seated in the heavenly places with Christ. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, according to Ephesians one. I'm not making this stuff up. I've been quoting the Bible to you the last minute. This isn't self-talk. This isn't self-help. This is scripture that has the power to cut into the bone and the marrow. It has the power to cut through heaviness and give you a garment of praise. No matter what is going on around you, you can be lifted on the inside of you. Man, if more Christians would walk around in the true identity of who God says they are, we wouldn't have the branding problem we have. No no wonder, no wonder there are people that are like, I don't want to be a part, I don't want to go to church. I've tried that. We've got a branding problem, y'all. Like, why would I want to be a part of something where they seem to have no joy? Uh-huh. I'm a Christian. It's awesome. I'll go to heaven one day, but it's hell now. <laughs> no, my Bible says, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have the Spirit of God, which means we should have joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. We should be the most joyful people on the planet if we were walking in our identity. You can live in misery if you want, but you're living below your inheritance, I plan to take everything God's got for me. I plan to live full of everything God's got for me. I'm going to walk around in my identity. I am a child of the king. My parents used to tell me every day before I went to school, whose kid are you? And I had to say, I'm a king's kid. They wanted to remind me, I belong to the king of kings and to the Lord of lords. And if God is my daddy, then I have the power to tread on serpents, to cast out demons, to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Why are you walking around so weak? Why are you walking around so pitiful? Why are you walking around like you ain't got nothing? You got everything heaven has. You want heaviness lifted off you? Just march around your bedroom going, I'm a child of God. I'm full of the Spirit of God. I've been blessed with every blessing in the heavenly places. I am who he says I am. I don't care what the boss says. I don't care what my teacher said. I don't care what anybody else said. I'm who God says I am. You'll walk up into work and they'll be like, what happened to you? Tell them I remembered who I am. You'll walk up into your homeroom at school. They'll be like, what happened to you? Just I just remembered who I was. You think you're somebody? No, but I serve somebody who has called me to be somebody in the earth. How do you get heaviness off of you? You remember your true identity. You remember your true identity. I love this quote by Eleanor Roosevelt. No one can make you feel inferior without your consent. So stop giving the devil the consent in your life to call you something that you're not. You are not your mistakes. You are not the issues of your life. That is not your identity. You may have some struggle, but the sign that you have a struggle is the sign that you're moving forward. If you're not struggling, you have stopped moving forward. The absence of the, the presence of the battle does not mean the absence of God. It means the presence of victories on the way, on the other side of the battle. Remember who God said that you are. So let's keep going with Elijah. He said, the Lord said to him, go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. So go back the way you came. If you remember from last week, the way that he came was through Beersheba. So go back to De Beersheba and then go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazael king over Aram and, and anoint a bunch of these other people. <laughs> and, and anybody that tries to get away from you, then Jehu, he's gonna cut them, <laughs> take them down. And he said, I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouths have not kissed him. In other words, Elijah, you're not the only one left. There's other people in the middle of godless society, in the middle of you thought I'm the only one left. They're killing the prophets. Israel's forgot your covenants. No one's living for God but me. He's like, no, 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 you ain't the only one. I got some others. God will always have a group. God will always, listen to me, student. You think you're the only one in your school? No, God's got some other ones. Ask Him to show you and find him. You think you're the only one on your college campus? No, God will always have a remnant. God will always have a people. And so He told Him to go back the way He came. Why is that important? Because Beersheba means the place of the oath. In other words, Beersheba was the place that Elijah said, God, I'm yours. God, use me. God, do something in and through my life. And so he said, I need you to go back and visit that place. And then I need you to get back on purpose. You want to lift heaviness off of you? Then you have to step into a new assignment. Here's the deal. Nothing will lift heaviness off of you like having purpose. Like having purpose. In other words, he said, Elijah, Get out of the cave and get back to work. I've called you to something greater. I've called you to something, something bigger. This is why this verse makes so much sense. Where there is no vision, where you don't have personal vision, the people perish. You will perish. If you don't have personal vision, if you're not living for something that is bigger than you, are you just living for acceptance into the school? That's great, you should, but is that the ultimate Are you just living for another paycheck, another raise, the next car, the next house, the next tax bill? Or is there some meaning behind it? Is there something bigger? Do you have a purpose? This is why we talk about all the time. Because what psychologists have discovered is what God always knew is that your life is more fulfilled when you're making a difference in somebody else's life. So why do we talk about getting on a dream team, serve day, all those things. Why do we talk about that? Purpose. Not only will it be good for you spiritually, it'll be good for you psychologically to have purpose, to live for something that's bigger than you. You don't have to do it here if you're like, I don't know if I want to serve in this church. Well, go find somewhere. Yeah. Go see a need and meet the need. To, it's really that simple. Why? Because you, you're on purpose. You're living for something bigger than you. Like, Do you really want to get to the end of your life and go, yep, help Help, the, help them build a great company. Or do you want to go, no? At the end of my life, I can look back and I changed lives. And I did something that mattered. I did something that was bigger than me. Success isn't bad. I'm all for it. I'm not against people having things. I'm, none of that. But is that the ultimate end of your life? Is that what you're living for? Are you following me? It's purpose. On your heaviest days. If you can find someone else with a need and meet it, I promise you, it'll lift it. It'll lift it. On my heaviest days, I just need to run into somebody at the grocery store that goes, can I tell you my story about how God has used this church to change their life? I'm good, God. Went into a restaurant this week. Sat down, was having lunch. Server came over and said, anybody helped you yet? And we were like, no, not yet. Can I get you your drink order? I said, I'll take a water with lemon. Look down, they go. Tears just started coming. Because the church had ministered and made a big impact and she wanted to tell me about her work schedule and how every Tuesday night she's on demand faithfully. It didn't matter what else happened that day why because I saw in that moment our lives were living for something bigger we made a difference impacted somebody's life Viktor Frankl said this he was he was a Holocaust survivor and then he worked with Holocaust survivors And and he believed, counter to Freud, who believed that happiness was the ultimate end of life, he believed it was purpose. And there was actually a case study of where some Holocaust survivors were dealt with and counseled and helped towards Freud's view that happiness was the ultimate end. And many of them ended up committing suicide. Viktor Frankl, none of his did. Because he believed if he gave them a job and gave them purpose... Then it would give them opportunity at life. And I love this quote by him. He said, People have enough to live by, but nothing to live for. They have the means, but no meaning. So I just ask you do you have enough to live by, or are you living for something? Do you have means, which is wonderful, but I wanna know do you have meaning? Well, pastor, I'm going through all my own stuff myself. I don't even have time to think about somebody else's needs. I'm telling you, it's counterintuitive, but if you'll meet somebody else's needs while you have a need, it'll lift the heaviness. It's what the apostle Paul said. Therefore, we don't lose heart, though outwardly are wasting away. Paul's like, outwardly, I've been beat five times with the same stripes that Jesus was with once. I've been shipwrecked, I've been bitten by a snake, I've been called a god, I've been called a devil, I've been in prison. He goes, outwardly, I'm wasting away. Yet inwardly, I'm being renewed. Like outwardly, it doesn't look good, y'all. But inside, it's awesome. Day by day, for look what he calls all that he went through. Beating five times, all that list. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. He called being beaten light and momentary. And then he goes on to say, so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is ter- temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know what he was saying? I'm able to call all this outward stuff light and momentary. I got betrayed. Someone walked out on me. Someone's not nice to me. I lost my job, all that. Paul goes, none of that is changing. I'm still finding myself in jail. I'm still under house arrest. They still wanna kill me. They still wanna beat me. But those light and momentary things, he goes, they, they're far outweighed by, I got my eyes on a purpose that is eternal. I got my eyes on something that is not seen. I don't have my eyes on the temporary. He goes, that's how I can walk through with joy and with peace and with the presence of God. Come on, if you believe it, put your hands together. Now, let me give you one more. Elijah went out from there, got out of the cave, And he saw Elisha, he was out plowing a field and he went up to him and he threw his cloak around him. you're like, well, that's kind of weird. Like who throws their jacket? What he was saying to him is he was saying, "It it was a representation of I want you to come follow me, to come be a prophet apprentice. And so what Elijah found out, because if you read back earlier in chapter 19, it says when he got the message on Instagram that Jezebel wanted him dead and he wanted to die and ran and was in the cave, it says he went to Beersheba and he left his servant there and he went on in the journey. Elijah learned the valuable lesson that you have to step into relational strength, that you can't do it alone. You can't do it by yourself. You need some people with you. You need someone that'll lock arms with you. And some of you are like, I don't need anybody. How's that working for you? You know, one of the saddest things I ever see in my life as a pastor, there's a lot of sad things, but it's to do a funeral where there's next to no one there. Breaks my heart or for someone to call and they need a funeral done and they're like, well, just do the graveside because there's really nobody to come. And I just think, what was the story? Where were the relationships? I'm an island, I can do it myself. No, you can't. You need relational strength because there's moments when you'll be weak and those around you will be strong. And there'll be moments where you're strong and they need some weakness. You gotta have some people in life that'll like Why do we want you in small groups all the time? Because you need relational strength. It helps lift the heaviness. You need someone that when you're down to call you and go, now let me remind you, you're a child of the most high God. Let me remind you that you are the head and not the tail. Let me remind you that you are victorious, that you can do all things through Christ. You need some people that are around. You need some boys like Shadrach, Meshach, that'll go, you going down, I ain't going down. You gonna bow, I ain't gonna bow. I ain't letting your marriage fail. I'm not letting your child walk away from God. I'm not letting you violate your purity. I'm not letting you walk away from Jesus. I'm not letting you walk away from the call of God on your life. Get back up. Get to church. Get in the house of God. Get back to small group. I'm going to chase you down and hunt you down and find you because I love you and God's got more for you. Come on. if You know you need people. Put your hands together right now. You need relational strength. You need it in your life. You need. If 2020 didn't teach you anything, isolation is not healthy. You need people, and I would say you need the church. You need the strength of believers around you. I mean, it's in our name. We believe. We believe the best. We believe for more. We believe for God's goodness. What we do, we believe. You need some believers around you. Will you pray with me? With every head bowed, every eye closed. I want to pray for two groups of people today. If you're here, and you'd say, Pastor, man, one of those five just hit me. Experiencing some heaviness, and I got some tools today, and one of those really hit me, and I, I, need, to, I need to take that and apply it this week. If that's you, no one looking around, I wouldn't embarrass you for the world. At every location, even online, you let us know in the chat. You'd say, that's me, would you just slip your hand up high? Say, that's me, I need to apply some of that this week. God bless you, so many hands, you can put them down. Father, in the name of Jesus, you know every hand, more importantly, you know every story and the name of every person. And I just pray right now, Spirit of the living God, would you give every person the strength to take the step and to keep taking the steps out of the cave, into the light. Would you replace right now the spirit of heaviness with a garment of praise? Right now, would you do a divine exchange of heaviness for joy? Would they walk out a little lighter, walking in confidence of who you have said that they are? every head bowed, every eye closed, one more question. Some of you, the step you need to take today is to relationship with Jesus. You've done religion and I'm just telling you, it doesn't work. You need an authentic relationship with Jesus. The Bible says that Jesus didn't come to die on the cross to start a religion. He came to forgive you, to give you a brand new beginning. And he rose again three days later, proving that he was God. And he has the power to take away your sin, to cleanse you. And if today you need a brand new beginning, you need to step into a fresh start with God. I want to invite you to pray this simple prayer. There's nothing magical in it, but we're going to pray it together as a church out loud. So no one's praying alone, but I want to know who I'm praying with. Again, no one's going to come to you, point you out. But if you say, Pastor, that's me. I need a fresh start today. On three, you just shoot your hand up. One, two, three. You shoot it up high. God bless you. God bless you. You can put it down. Church, let's pray this out loud for the benefit of those that are praying for the first time. Just say, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of all my sin. I believe you died for me. I believe God raised you from the dead. Today, I make you my Lord and Savior. Thank you for a brand new beginning. In Jesus' name, everybody said a big amen. Amen. Come on, let's celebrate those who made that decision. Thanks for joining us for today's message. Feel free to rate, review, and share with a friend. If you'd like to find out how you can get involved or partner with us financially, visit lifepoint.org or download the Lifepoint app. Thank you for your generosity. We can do so much more together than we ever could apart. See you soon.